Let's take our Bible time. Please turn to the book of Jude. The book of Jude. We're a bit early tonight from when we normally start, so that's that bodes well, doesn't it? And a couple weeks ago, I said, "Boy, it's such a nice day. We ought to have one of those parking lot fellowships where we have ice cream." And as soon as I said that, Paul ran out and got an ice cream. So I'm going to try it again. How many of you like steak? You know, it's a. <laughs> I don't know what he can come up with, but it's such a gorgeous day out, and. Uh, You'll be able to enjoy some of that tonight. The days are getting longer. I think it was about 8.30 last night before it got real dark. And turn to the book of Jude this evening, and the Lord pricked my heart this afternoon, and I always enjoy when he does that. And so I jotted down some things and laid aside what I had planned. And uh, just, I've just had to learn over the years that what I planned is not always what the Lord wants. And and uh, you try to lay out your messages and have an idea and pray about it for sure and, and try to get the Lord's heart. But it's often at the last minute that the Lord will just prick my heart about something I'm reading or what have you. And, and uh, I guess just some circumstances this afternoon that my wife in particular was dealing with. And this, this, this thought came to my heart and my mind and I jotted some things down. And I just want to share some of those thoughts with you tonight from the book of Jude. And that idea or that thought is this one word, compassion. Compassion. And you know, as people of God, that's something we ought to exhibit in our lives, showing compassion. And there's different groups in the Bible that talks about that we need to direct our compassion towards. And I think at the end of the day, if we were to look at all those groups, we'll find out it means everybody. The lost, the saved, whoever, brethren and sisters in Christ, we are to show compassion. And uh, I just want to say this along those lines, and and uh, I mentioned on a prayer meeting a, a few weeks ago uh, that I, just before the service, just got off the phone with somebody, and uh, we had heard rumor through the, the kids in the, in the master clubs and on the buses, some kids got on the bus and said, so-and-so is not here, they've got cancer, and lung cancer, they said, and, and I thought, boy, that's very odd for a little, little one to have lung cancer, and so... I, I got a hold of the mom's number from our, our contacts, and I called, and, and uh, they were at Sick Kids in Hamilton, and the little one has leukemia. And so I can see how a child might mix those things up and whatever. But uh, we've been asked not to share the name. And so I don't want you to think we don't have compassion, but I want you to pray for one of our bus kids. They know that we're on live stream and, and all the rest. They just don't want their child's privacy spread out all over the, on, on the airwaves. And so I uh, just ask you to pray for one of our bus kids that is battling leukemia right now, and, and let's show compassion. And there may be some opportunities in the future here that we can do something for the family to be a help and a blessing and uh, without having to release the little one's name. And so um, please, please be in prayer. I, I think he's about nine years old. And uh, so it's just, it's just a heartbreaking thing when your child is sick like that. But pray that we might be able to have an influence on the mom and the family and um, their neighbors of, of yours, Brother Wood, and, and so just around the corner from you. And so uh, let's just do our best as a church family to show that compassion that they need. And who knows what the Lord will do through that. And uh, it's always in those times of need when we minister to people's needs that it seems to impress the most upon their hearts. And I'll say that over the years, um, I, was, I was just trying to do a rough estimate in my mind and counting, you know, different things up in my mind. And I think that I've, I've done about 75 funerals over the years and uh, just 
maybe more, uh, just trying to estimate. And, and I've, I've done probably about 20 weddings. Weddings aren't as often. I, I don't know why. Uh, weddings are to be more cheerful, right? But I tell you this, you, you seem to have more impact on a family at a funeral than you do a wedding. And uh, Brother Axter understands that, right? It just, it's, it's true. And uh, people, they might not even remember. They, they don't, they're at the wedding, they don't care. They're looking at each other. If you, if you say to the bride and groom, what did the pastor preach on? They don't know. They're not listening to that. And half the crowd's not listening to that because they're looking at the, the bride and the groom and the flowers and oh, how beautiful everybody is and all the rest. But at a funeral, you have an opportunity to minister. And so it's during those times of hurt and trials that we can really learn to show compassion. I just want to speak on that for a few minutes tonight. I would encourage you to listen. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. And, and take every opportunity you can to show compassion. Here's the thing. Compassion often costs us something. It doesn't always. It doesn't always have to. Sometimes it's just praying or it's calling somebody on the phone. But sometimes it does cost us something. And sometimes I think we shy away from it because we think, well, I, I don't know what to... But here's the thing. When it becomes your time for need of compassion, you'll be glad that somebody's helping you. Somebody's expressing it to you. And, and so let's, let's just think about this for a few minutes tonight. Look at the book of Jude with me. Jude, and look down at verse 22. And of course, we know these verses. The Bible says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. No, unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to prevent you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I need your help tonight. Uh, Lord, uh, Just I pray for your strength. I ask, Lord, that you would help me, Lord, uh, for the next few minutes and that your spirit would speak through me and fill me. I surrender to you and ask for your help. I pray that the Spirit would help each of us, speak to us. And Lord, I honestly, I cannot criticize Bethel Baptist Church for her compassion. Lord, I'm always impressed at times how people pull together and, and do for one another in those times of need. And I pray, Lord, that this tonight would just be a simple reminder. Perhaps it's for me. I pray that you just help us, Lord, to, to, to go the extra mile. As, as the Lord says, if, we have, if a man asks for a coat, we give him both our coat and our cloak. If he bids us to go a mile with him, we'd go two. Lord, just showing the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for us. And so, Father, I pray that you just take these simple thoughts tonight and bless them and use them. Bless your word and speak to our hearts. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Look back if you again, again at the scripture with me tonight, and I'm just going to back up one verse just to help with context a little bit. But verse 21 says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. The author here, Jude, the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, who identifies himself as a servant of Jesus Christ, is masterful in his writing here in his approach. 
He's much like the Apostle Paul when Paul says in Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, and he adds those next few words, by the mercies of God. If Paul were simply to say, I beseech you therefore, brethren, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, it doesn't have the same impact. But when he says, I I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, in light of all that God has done for you, the fact that Jesus died on the cross, the fact that he shed his blood and he extended his mercy and his grace to you, in light of all of that, here's what I want you to do. The author Jude takes up much the same Approach as he says in verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Listen to this looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. He's saying, Jesus has given you mercy unto eternal life. That's what's ahead of you, that's what you're looking forward to. That's what you're chasing after. That's why you are running this race. That's why you've put your faith in Christ. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. But now there's something I want you to do. In light of that, of some have compassion. Sometimes we look at that scripture and we say, well, there's an out. He just says some. It doesn't say that I have to show compassion to everybody, but we are missing the point of the scripture. When we look at verse 22, we cannot leave out verse 23. Notice how the sentence does not end at the end of verse 22. Of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear. Pulling them. Pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. He is saying this. In any group of people, if we were to take this room as a whole tonight, he's saying there are some that you'll show compassion to and you'll make a difference to, but there's others you will save with fear and pulling them out of the fire. But that does not leave out anybody in the equation. He's just saying we'll have different levels of success with different people. Some of them you will help. Others you will save. Some that you show compassion to. Some, you'll make a difference in their life and others will actually be pulled out of the fire and they'll accept Jesus as their savior. But I believe he's saying to that we should show compassion to all and allow the Lord Jesus Christ to decide on who makes the difference and who is saved with fear. So we are to have compassion. I've just wrote down this beside verse 22. This is our directive. Our directive to have compassion. We are commanded to have compassion. We are to show it to all. The Lord Jesus Christ, as he completed his earthly ministry, we see that everybody he came in contact with, he showed compassion. Even the Pharisees, who he rebuked because of their sin and, and called them a generation of vipers or the, the ones that, uh, the disciples who when they did not believe, he said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. There was so much mercy that the Lord Jesus Christ had come down to be with them. That he would die for this faithless generation. That he would give his life for this generation of vipers. That he would shed his blood for these perverse people. He showed compassion when he died on Calvary. We see the directive, but I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Turn there if you will. You see, what is 
compassion. What is compassion? You say, isn't it just sympathy? No, there's a difference. Sympathy is that feeling of identity. I can feel bad for somebody. I can identify with their pain. I've, I've experienced a similar situation. I know what it's like to lose a parent. I know what it's like to suffer from a disease. And, and so I have sympathy and my heart goes out to somebody. Compassion is sympathy in action. It's the heart of God with feet. It's going out and ministering to people and showing uh, that compassion to one another. Turn, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 3. I, I got a brand new Bible, and I got to find it still. All right, 1 Peter chapter 3. I've gone from super giant print just to large print, amen? And I don't know if you saw when we were singing up here tonight, we were singing along, and all of a sudden, all of us went like this. Did you see that? Because something happened with the screen back there and everything went to the size of a postage stamp. And I thought my lenses fell out for a second. I couldn't see a thing. And, and so, but praise the Lord uh, with bifocals now. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Uh, I can see a little bit smaller prints. I got a new Bible, but it's going to take me longer. First Peter chapter 3, look at verse 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit. Look at that, that ye should inherit a blessing. Have compassion one of another. Who's he talking about? Love as brethren. You ought to be able to find compassion in the house of God. The saddest thing, one of the saddest stories you read in the Bible is the story of Uriah the Hittite. You remember Uriah? Uriah was the husband of Bathsheba. And David was out on his rooftop and he saw Bathsheba bathing and he took her into his room and had an adulterous affair. She conceived a child through that affair. And as a result, David thought he would cover up his sin and he tried a couple different ways and when they did not work, he decided to have Uriah killed. And how did he do it? David was the king. He simply could have sent somebody and had him killed if he wanted to. But instead, he put him in the hottest part of the battle and he told everybody else to withdraw allow Uriah to fight the battle alone and surely he was overtaken and killed I read that passage of scripture and sometimes I think sometimes the people of God are like that somebody is hurt or injured and we leave them there to die in the battle we'd rather back off than get involved the house of God ought to be a place of mercy and compassion. I remember years ago, we had gone on a youth retreat, a weekend, I guess it was, and I think it was our winter, winter retreat, and uh, the college students had come with us from Baptist Bible College here. They were still in, in session, and so we went away up north somewhere, and there had been a guest preacher come in, and 
there had been some confusion, and this guest preacher over the years had changed, gone a different direction, kind of got charismatic and things like that. And there were some odd things happened that weekend. And I, I remember one, one of the young men that were there were, was Stuart Foy, and, and that, that day in school, and Monday we were back in school, and Stuart was concerned. He was a Bible college student. He knew that things had happened that shouldn't have happened, and not, not as far as, as the students were concerned, but just in the preaching and the teaching and some of the, uh, the charismatic things going on. And so he went down to the pastor's office, and he sat down with Pastor Strachan, and he told them everything that had happened. And pastor wisely thought, well, I better, I better hear from some more students. I better find out what's going on here. And the, the gentleman that had come had preached at church on Sunday morning as well. And even pastor said, boy, there's some strange. He didn't do anything untoward during the service. It just, something wasn't right. And so he was already kind of on high alert. And he came down to our classroom and, and, and he, he talked to us. And we all just sat there and stared. We, we, didn't want to get in, we didn't want to get in the middle of it, you know. We were scared. And uh, so he, he asked some questions, and we just kind of listened and let it go by. And then when he left, we, Mr. Simmermaker said, so guys, you, you didn't really tell Pastor anything. Did this happen like Stuart said it happened? And we said, oh, yeah. And we began to tell, and he said, why didn't you tell Pastor? I said, I guess we were just scared. Well, guess who was the senior high school student? Guess who got elected to go talk to pastor? So I went down to the office, my office now, and I knocked on the door and I said, pastor, can we talk? And he said, sure. And I began to tell him what was going on and he said, Al, why didn't you talk to me earlier? I said, I guess we're just scared. And he said this, he says, he just kind of sunk in his chair he says, Al, I don't want you to ever be afraid of the pastor's office. It should be a place of compassion. He says, and if, and if I've given you that fear, I'm sorry. And I said, you haven't. He says, I don't want you to, he says, be afraid of the principal's office. But don't be afraid of the pastor's office. It should be a place of compassion. But 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says we all should show compassion one to another. We all should love one another. I was just talking in Sunday school this morning, Mrs. Fed, about when we found out Casey had cancer. We were talking about the blind man who the disciples asked, who has sinned, this man or his father, that this man was born blind? And Jesus said, nobody. This is so we could see the wonderful works of God. That God's glory might be seen. We talked about that a little bit, about showing, God, or showing God's glory through our trials and our hurts. And I, I just reminiscing a little bit, and I remember that first Sunday after we heard, we had been out at a pastor's conference, and we just got back, and I preached that Friday at, at college, at Faithway, and the Lord had put all that together. What, what, were, the, what were the chances that the, after hearing Casey had cancer, the first preacher that Cindy would hear would be me? her pastor. And it just, the Lord put it all together. And, and they didn't know up there at Faithway and they, they weren't going to, you know, Cindy had kept it quiet. She'd shared prayer requests with a couple of her girlfriends. 
But the Lord just worked through that. And then Sunday morning, I preached. the Lord just led me to preach the same message. And I remember Casey walking the aisle. And I remember half the church coming around her. Do you remember that? Almost every lady in the church is weeping and praying. That's compassion. They said, well, what did they do? What could they do? They're not orthopedic surgeons to take care of an osteosarcoma. But they could hug her and weep and pray. This ought to be a place of compassion. Where we love one another and have compassion towards the brethren. I called this, I just put, you know, I like my alliteration. I talked about the directive of compassion, but I put this, the direction of our compassion. Sometimes I've been in places where churches are really good about going out, but there's no compassion here. Other churches are great about having compassion here, but not going out. We are commanded to do both. Of some have compassion and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. That's the lost. And now the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, we are to love one another and have compassion one to another. So everybody is to be subject of our compassion. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. I want to show you a third thing tonight. 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter 3. Look, if you will, at verse 17. I've called this, we talk about the directive of our compassion and the direction of our compassion. I've called this the display of our compassion. First, first John chapter 3. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowel of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Can I just put that in my own words? If you have, and you're not helping those who have not, how can you say you have the love of God? If you're able to help and you don't, if you're able to extend yourself, if you're able to do something, God has blessed you with so much, and you shut up your bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? If I look at the other side of that verse, I have to say this, when we show compassion, we display the love of God. We are showing that we know Christ, and that his love dwells within us, and we love those whom he loves. Isn't that what true Bible love is all about? 1 John chapter uh, 3, if you just turn back a page, or maybe it's on the same page for you. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear that we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. 
And every man hath this hope in himself, purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whoso committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither knoweth him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Uh, jump down to verse 11. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because he his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brethren abideth in death. Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer. Ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. When we have compassion towards people, it displays the love of God. It shows that we are his, that we belong to him. Let me give you one more verse tonight. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 18. We see in Jude the directive to have compassion. We see in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8 the direction of our compassion. We see in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17 the display of our compassion. Look, if you will, at Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Look down near the end of the chapter, verse 23. Actually, look at verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall I brother sin against me? And I forgive him till seven times. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would Take account of his servants. Notice this parable that Jesus shares. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. 
Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now listen. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. I've called this the duty of compassion. Notice what the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching in this parable. He's saying that the servant that showed compassion to one, that one went out but refused to show compassion to another. And as a result, he ended up in debtor's prison till he could pay off all that he owed. The Lord Jesus Christ says, so will my father do to you if you will not forgive, if you will not show compassion. Here's the thing. And here's what I take from the Lord's teaching. Anytime I see an opportunity to show compassion, I should be reminded how much the Lord Jesus Christ showed compassion to me. It's my duty. It's the very least that I could do. It's not always easy, is it? Sometimes we look at a situation and say, well, they got what they deserved. They're in this situation because of the choices that they made. And that might be absolutely 100% true. We try to tell the young people all the time, be careful of your choices. The choices you make have consequences. Wolford Broughton wrote that great song when he was 99 years old. Bruce Fry recorded it on a CD. He says, you're free to make all the choices you want, but you're not free from the choices you make. And it's so true. 99 years old, still trying to teach young people, be careful of your choices. Be careful of your choices. And it's true. And we try to reinforce that in children and adults alike. You will pay the consequences of your choices. But here's the thing. I was born a sinner and I chose to sin and I chose to transgress the law of God and Christ had compassion anyway. He still looked down in pity and mercy and he saved me anyway. And though we disagree with people's choices and we get angry sometimes and we want to leave them to their own devices and say, well, you've laid, made your bed, now you lie in it. We are still called to show compassion. That doesn't mean necessarily that we can fix everything for them. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't take the consequences of their actions. But we are still to extend the love of Christ toward them. It's sometimes one of the most difficult things we can do. It seems counterintuitive to us. We, we live in a society of laws, right and wrong, black and white. We're Baptist. And we like all of our standards. But we must never forget compassion. We must never forget it. I remember several years ago, Somebody got upset. You say at you, yeah, at me. I know, I don't believe it either. 
they got upset because we had a couple kids came to church, bus kids. And they said, Pastor, could we, we want to sing Jesus Loves Me. Can we get up and sing Jesus Loves Me? I said, sure. And somebody got upset with me because they weren't dressed up to standard. It was really hard for me to show compassion on them. I said, really? That's what you took from those two little girls that wanted to sing Jesus Loves Me? That they came to this church and learned? Wow, yeah, we got to protect. That's a heart issue. There's something wrong there. I want to have compassion on those little girls. Can I tell you who one of those little girls was? Savannah Stark. Who walks in this church as a 13, 14 year old younger lady now carrying her Bible. I'll tell you this she, she looks up every scripture while you're preaching. What if I said, no, you're not dressed right? Come back next week dressed properly and maybe we'll let you, we'll think about it. Maybe they never come back. We have to make sure. Yes, I know right is right and wrong is wrong and, and we have standards, but always have compassion. Always show compassion. It is our duty. Because I'm going to tell you this. I have a feeling there was a time where Jesus was on his throne and he looked down upon all of us and he pointed at David Axler and he said to Gabriel, he says, that he's going to be a preacher. And Gabriel laughed at him. And he looked over here and he said, Oh, you see these over here? Jean Broughton, she's just a little girl right now, but she's going to play the organ for 70 years at Bethel Baptist Church. And the angel scoffed. But Jesus says, no, I got compassion. I can take that little lump of coal and turn it into a diamond. I can change that life. I showed mercy on the cross of Calvary so I could extend my love and compassion to them. It's the least we can do to show it to others. That's the directive. That's our duty. That's what we're called to do. Let's pray. Father, help us to have tender hearts toward the lost and towards the saved. Help us to be a people of compassion that spreads the love of Christ through helping others, loving on people. And some will make a difference, but others will save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Lord, who knows 
for those some that we make a difference in. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, somebody else might make more difference. And 10 years after that, somebody else might make a little bit more difference till they finally come to Jesus Christ. Father, help us just to be faithful. To love one another, to love the lost. Reaching people for Jesus. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed. The altar's open if God has spoke to your heart.